Hello, hello, wow, welcome to the next episode of Option Plus podcast. I can't believe it happened, but after a long, long time, I decided to publish some of my talks and uh, some of my other projects under this podcast. So I guess we are officially on again. I got rid of the weird AI voice. I was using the intro AI voice before it was cool, but let's get to the content. So in this episode, I am talking about contrarian thinking and Bitcoin. It was a speech I gave to the participants uh, in the international round of uh, Olympiad in economics. So um, so students who uh, who were um, trying to compete in their knowledge of economics. It was quite fun. So uh, the uh, the judges had to rate the tests and uh, someone had to entertain them. So I was a part of um, of a uh, and uh, a slot that was called Meet the Mentor. And I was trying to convince the students to, to do some contrarian thinking, to not only listen to what they're taught, but uh, to see if other ways, other options are not better for them. So uh, I hope you you like this episode and uh, it's quite non-standard for me. And uh, actually, after I gave this speech, I spoke to quite a lot of students. Uh, many of them were interesting, interesting, interested in these topics and they wanted to kind of uh, learn more about uh, about this way of thinking and especially about Bitcoin. Many of them, however, to my surprise, were very conservative. And I think that young people should not be conservative. They should experiment. They should, um, they should play with new things. They should learn. And, uh, when you are starting out, you don't have a mortgage and a job and, uh, kids and many other things. So that should allow you to experiment. And I'm, uh, usually when I meet people, uh, uh, young people who are conservative. I'm, I'm quite surprised that I, as a, as an older person, I'm more punk and more experimental than many, uh, many of them. So I guess it's a personal trait, but, um, that's, uh, how it is and that's how I perceived it. Uh, so, uh, regardless of your age, let's talk about contrarian thinking. So I was asked to entertain you for a while and, um, um, I guess, uh, as Monica said, uh, I have a trouble describing what I do, which is, uh, what this session is going to be about. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, I was thinking about the topic and I would like to ignite, uh, something that is called contrarian thinking or ecology of thought. So, um, when you, uh, hear many successful people, uh, talk. Uh, they usually give you a fortune cookie, uh, bite-sized uh, smarts uh, about uh, what uh, led them to where they are, and you know, um, um, habits of successful people. You need to wake up at six a.m. and uh, uh, have a coffee, and then do creative writing and things like that. And uh, 
I want to tell you not to do any of these things uh, because uh, uh, I think there is value in uh, going against the stream and doing some uh, some other things. So usually these uh, uh, these smarts of um, successful people uh, are uh, correlations. So they first become successful and then uh, they will tell you uh, what they think led to their success. Uh, so um, I am a, a mildly successful entrepreneur. I'm apparently not a billionaire. I don't even wear a suit. So, <laughs> um, uh, so I, I started uh, more than a dozen of companies, uh, most of them unsuccessful, some mildly successful and um, uh, and uh, I'm not even going to tell you uh, what mistakes uh, to avoid because uh, you will probably make your own. Uh, what I want to tell you about, though, is uh, to think about not doing what everyone else is doing. So what are they doing? So most of the people, they wake up um, usually before 5 and 7 a.m. just in time to uh, drive their kids to school or send them to school and just in time to uh, to enter the morning ritual of the working people, which is the traffic jam. So then they uh, sit in a car, listen to music or podcasts or start uh, doing their um, morning meetings. Uh, then they spend uh, uh, four hours maybe uh, in a closed office, unlike, uh, much like this one, and uh, uh, they're staring at the computer screen. Then uh, comes lunchtime, so everyone from all the buildings, uh, they uh, almost at the same time uh, move to cafeteria or uh, or a cantina, they get the lunch. Uh, of course, it takes ages because everyone is doing the same thing. <laughs> then they come back, uh, spend four more hours, uh, usually staring at the screen. Uh, note that I'm not saying working because most people do not actually work eight hours a day. Uh, it's a, a usually a game of pretend, which is um, uh, which is nice. Uh, uh, just that you know that everyone is doing that, so. If you uh, find it hard to do any meaningful work for eight hours a day, uh, just that you know that most people don't actually work eight hours a day. There's uh, uh, social media, there's uh, colleagues in the cafeteria and many more interesting uh, than work, uh, things to do than work. So um, this is uh, what most people do. And I think there is value in uh, thinking if your life could be a little bit different. Uh, and um, uh, it's many people say it's uh, like, especially young people, it's going against the stream. <laughs> so we have mainstream and we have this uh, either going against the stream, which is rebelling. Uh, I think finding a parallel stream is even a little bit better. Um, but one of the most important ways to look at this is uh, going, uh, going against the monoculture of thought. So if everyone thinks the same, uh, then there is no entrepreneurial edge. There is nothing uh, that we can make use of. And there is very uh, little creativity involved and very, uh, very little of creative uh, problem solving. So 
Uh, so, uh, for example, on financial markets, uh, one of the best ways to be successful is to have an edge, to know something that no one else knows and uh, trade based on, on this knowledge. Um, most people, of course, um, just buy some index fund and they're, they're happy with the general performance of the market. But this is another way is going against the, the edge. If it's something that everyone already knows, it's already included in the price, it's priced in. Uh, so there's no, uh, no upside to be, uh, to be made. Uh, so this, uh, this, uh, contrarian thinking, um, another example, not from financial markets, uh, how you can look at it is, um, uh, if wh when I was hiring people, I fortunately, uh, don't, uh, hire people anymore. Uh, but, uh, when I was hiring people, uh, I've read all these beautiful CVs. They said, okay, I studied this school. I had good grades and so on. And if a person, uh, that studied a school, even a good school, uh, came and said, okay, I had good grades. Uh, that tells me, uh, that they know exactly, uh, what all of their classmates know. <laughs> that means they have no edge. Uh, so if someone who didn't have good grades like me, uh, and, uh, uh, had some experience or was, um, uh, interested in some other things comes, then they clearly have an edge. So, uh, it's not outstanding to be best of class. It is outstanding if you, um, of course, learn what you have to learn, uh, but then, uh, if you are specialized in something, so you have some kind of unique ability. Uh, unique ability is uh, also a problem. I, uh, I was, uh, I, I never did uh, economics Olympiad, but I was doing uh, Olympiads in programming and I was uh, pretty good at it, uh, usually uh, first or second in Slovakia. Um, so, uh, uh, but uh, if you, uh, uh, well, uh, it, uh, it allowed me to go to university uh, basically uh, without any admission tests or anything like that. Uh, but it wouldn't even lend me um, a job in Facebook or, or Google. It's, uh, it's not that uh, interesting. And the reason is not that I was not a good programmer. I still think I'm a good programmer. Um, the, the problem is that, uh, being really a world cl class programmer, programmer is really difficult. Uh, so, uh, the way you can have a unique ability and be world class is something is to combine two things or three things, uh, that you are really good at. So for me currently it is, uh, cryptography, uh, artificial intelligence and, uh, economics. I'm interested in cryptocurrencies, uh, in Bitcoin. And that is one of the, uh, of the nice, uh, contrarian thoughts that, uh, that is emerging. And, uh, uh, you can do that. You can, of course, uh, please <laughs> choose something else, uh, as, uh, th than I chose. But, uh, if you combine these things, uh, that you are, um, quite good at, uh, you create something that is unique on the market. And, uh, that allows you to, uh, to stand out. Um, so, um, how do you ignite? So, of course, this is like a motivational talk, you know, think different and, uh, uh, read some books and so on. Uh, but I think the best way, uh, to ignite this contrarian thinking is, uh, to ask 
question, which uh, I didn't invent. It's from Peter Thiel, um, uh, who is a legendary investor, one of the first investors in Facebook uh, and the original uh, PayPal mafia. And his questions to a uh, question to all of his employees and all of his potential hires is, what do you think is true about this world? But almost no one would agree with you. Uh, so contrarian thinking is a little bit different than rebelling. You know, oh, the government says uh, these are dead, so I will think the opposite, uh, which is not very useful because you are basically following someone's lead, uh, just uh, inverting. <laughs> uh, so in order to have an edge, of course, the contrarian thought has to be has to be true. It uh, it's, it shouldn't be just random gibberish that, gibberish that is um, made up. So I have a few of these thoughts. Uh, I hope you will not agree with me so I can keep my edge, but uh, I'm going to tell them uh, so you can um, uh, so you can uh, uh, maybe look at how these contrarian thoughts uh, are emerging and uh, also how it relates to economics. So the first uh, thing uh, is uh, uh, parallel societies and uh, parallel financial markets. Uh, so I was lucky enough to experience the, uh, the first growth of the internet. I was, I'm not old enough to uh, be at the birth of the internet, uh, but uh, I experienced uh, growth in the late 1990s and the dot-com bubble and all these things. And what is nice about it is, uh, well, <laughs> um, if you wanted to understand how internet currently works, and I mean like the low-level technical stuff, why why uh, are things the way they are, uh, it would be very difficult. Uh, for me, uh, I watch it grow up. So, so I know that, for example, this protocol is designed this way because uh, I was there uh, when people were trying to solve some kind of problem and I, I knew, okay, this was the culture at the time. This was, um, uh, this was uh, uh, why we were deciding between uh, this or that. And uh, this way, uh, you have a, a very different understanding of how things work uh, than if you read a textbook about internet protocols because uh, you didn't experience the choices and the decisions. You didn't see uh, the paths that, uh, that the internet protocols did not take. Unfortunately, I don't have a time machine, so you cannot do this, uh, but uh, I have something better. Uh, now is the time when the new parallel financial system is being born. Uh, it is uh, in the form of uh, Bitcoin, uh, cryptocurrencies and, uh, uh, and many other technologies uh, that were start, uh, started uh, basically um, Along, uh, along the time of, um, uh, of uh, the early internet. Uh, so Bitcoin is, um, is a, a free market idea uh, that, uh, that grew up of something that is called a cypherpunk mailing list. And they, they started uh, something that is called Cryptoanarchy, which is uh, uh, on my t-shirt, uh, Institute of Cryptoanarchy, which I, which I founded. 
Um, and it's the first uh, place in the world where we only use uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So uh, no state uh, fiat currencies are allowed. And um, um, I, I think that if you want to understand how these uh, things in economy work, well, mm, we're too young to have experienced the founding of uh, Amsterdam Stock Exchange in the, I believe, 1602. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, we are too young to have experienced even the birth of uh, current uh, monetary system. Uh, so depegging from gold and, uh, and the current uh, system based on US dollar. Uh, but we are just in time uh, to experience the uh, birth of new economy based on Bitcoin. And it's not just uh, cryptocurrency. I remember there was, um, there was a guy uh, from London who have started uh, a stock exchange on top of Bitcoin. Of course, it was shut down because he started it under his own name and the regulators didn't like that. He was just <laughs> basically uh, helping uh, uh, marijuana growers grow their wheat so they would raise capital for, you know, the lamps and all the stuff that you need uh, uh, to grow wheat. <laughs> and then uh, uh, then the companies would uh, pay dividends from, from that uh, using Bitcoin. Um, but there are all these projects that are uh, being started uh, right now uh, or being developed. There are new forms uh, of financial derivatives that have never ever been seen before in a traditional financial system. And uh, it's all open source, open access, anyone could participate. Uh, usually uh, when you are uh, playing with uh, traditional financial instruments, uh, I don't know, uh, contract size for, for a future for uh, a commodity is often uh, $100,000. So you cannot just play with it. You cannot get a feel for it. Uh, you can read about it in a textbook. You can, you know, uh, create a fake trading account. Uh, by the way, I don't recommend trading. It's just uh, experience. Uh, I'm really bad at trading. Uh, but if you want to try, you can uh, use twenty dollars and trade with real money, and uh, and you can you can get the feel, get the experience. So uh, I think that uh, this is a very interesting place to be, where you can learn by actually doing, and actually seeing uh, the things being uh, created and participating in the in the creation. Uh, what is also nice is uh, where you understand the choices that were made along the path and especially the differences to a traditional financial system. So you can, you can uh, uh, see, okay, so why are these guys uh, using uh, uh, whatever commodity settled futures instead of uh, cash settled futures and many other things. And uh, it's um, uh, wh why are there uh, arbitrage opportunities in, in some places and so on. So this is uh, uh, another stream you can take, uh, which is outside of the mainstream. And it is what is, uh, what is uh, interesting, in my opinion, to try uh, right now. Um, many people would say that, uh, okay, but uh, it's small, you know, it's... Uh, Almost no one uses it. I, I really like that, especially 
uh, when my friends from Czech Republic say, oh, no one uses Bitcoin, <laughs> then uh, uh, I tell them that there are probably uh, 10 times more Bitcoin users than users of Czech crown. <laughs> uh, so, um, so it's not small, but what is true is um, because it happens on the internet and it's peer-to-peer, -peer, it's very hard to measure. So we are constantly bombarded with all the statistics about GDP and all these uh, uh, macro averages and uh, and all these things. By the way, uh, whatever you do, please avoid macroeconomics. It's uh, total snake oil, snake oil science, <laughs> uh, not even science. It's numerology. Uh, but what it, what is true that uh, it is quite hard to see peer to peer interactions. You know, when when someone uh, goes to to a market and buy buys tomatoes, it's a transaction between two people, and uh, it is very hard to reflect it in uh, in statistics. I was trying uh, the other day to uh, to see the size of the parallel or shadow economy. So these peer to peer interactions where. Uh, the state is not involved and people just uh, meet each other and uh, and do an exchange and through this no one has any clue <laughs> i have i have seen studies uh, ranging from 10% to 70% of gdp uh, all of the studies admitted they have no idea uh, what is what is the true number and the, the range is just so huge uh, by the way some countries uh, include these estimates of gdp uh, uh, of uh, parallel economy in uh, the GDP numbers and some don't. So, for example, in Italy, when, when you see Italian GDP, uh, they guesstimate what is the size of the shadow economy and they include it in the GDP to appear bigger. Um, so, uh, so with Bitcoin, uh, it's very easy to be fooled by, uh, by this thought, oh, um, it's not so big. So, one number you should uh, you should look at uh, if you have this feeling is the volume of uh, traded bitcoin um, on exchanges which again we don't know what portion is actually traded on centralized exchanges and what portion is traded uh, peer to peer uh, but the volume on centralized exchanges is uh, quite huge and uh, uh, and uh, if you have this feeling, this is a pretty, a pretty good antidote. Um, so, um, how does the, the market innovate? What, what is the mechanism? Uh, so, uh, it's, the, it's the same reason why I like contrarian thinking and why I also like Bitcoin. Uh, it's uh, competition and it's uh, kind of like evolution. So uh, it's the same way that thought uh, emerges uh, in this ecosystem uh, of thoughts. Uh, so uh, it's uh, usually not that, uh, you know, some smart person disproves that this is not the way. No, someone just built something better and the, the old way just dies out. And that's, uh, that's how, uh, that's how uh, we discover, you know, who is the best healthcare provider, who is the best whatever mobile phone operator, who is the best maker of computers, operating systems, everything like that. You don't have to win an argument. You need to provide a better product or service. Uh, so uh, this is true also with Bitcoin. Uh, we are not saying, oh, 
uh, you know, it's probably not so good if someone can just print a bunch of money and lower our purchasing power. Uh, what if we just built better money where this is not possible? And we'll see, you know, what, what will people choose? Um, so uh, I think this is also the way how better thoughts emerge. Uh, of course, you can scientifically disprove some uh, some old theory that doesn't work, uh, but I think it is uh, more interesting to uh, to indulge yourself in this kind of contrarian thinking and create the better thought that will replace the old one. Um, so, uh, in this case, failure is crucial to the improvement of our condition, of the markets, of the thoughts, and so on. So it's okay to fail. Uh, and most of, as I said, I'm mildly successful entrepreneur. Uh, so that means most of my companies uh, failed. <laughs> uh, and uh, I have learned how not to do these exact things. Uh, but then you discover some things that work and, uh, and replace, uh, replace the old ways. Uh, it also means that winners do not last very long. Uh, in the, in the 90s, for example, we were all afraid of the monopoly of uh, Microsoft and uh, everyone was using Windows. It was really hard to escape. Uh, now, um, do, do, by the way, know what is the most common operating system on the planet right now? Most installations. Sorry. Yes, it's Linux. <laughs> Um, so, and it was replaced because it was just cheaper. It runs on all our routers, all your Android phones are Linux, uh, and, uh, it runs on most of the servers and even Microsoft now embraces Linux. So, um, so winners do not last very long unless they have some kind of advantage, uh, which can be a good advantage. Uh, they simply just provide a better service or a better advantage, uh, which means uh, the government, uh, told everyone else that, uh, their product or service is forbidden. Uh, one more thing, uh, which is contrarian and, uh, then we will go to questions, uh, is, um, that we are very focused on stability. And I believe that stability in this world does not exist anymore. Uh, like when I was uh, explaining this uh, maybe three years ago, people were looking at me, oh, what are you talking about? You know, my wage is the same. Uh, they might have discounted for inflation, but, you know, everything is stable. You know, the, the shops uh, have, uh, have all the products and uh, uh, we have a good life. And then came the pandemics and uh, the pandemic and we have seen, uh, we have seen, uh, Total chaos, you know, the prices of, uh, of, uh, uh, of oil went uh, like double and half and double again. Uh, we have seen, uh, we have seen the collapse of, uh, of many healthcare systems and uh, the collapse is, especially in Central Europe, it is uh, still happening. Uh, and uh, uh, I think that uh, this is the the, the state of the world for many, many years to come. Um, on the other hand, uh, I think that stability is overrated. So if you, if you, if you try to hold to it and, you know, uh, hope that uh, it will take you somewhere, um, then, uh, um, then, um, 
you will most probably be disappointed because uh, things are things are volatile. Um, and uh, when I talk uh, back, back to the topic of Bitcoin, when I talk to people, they, they would say, oh, it is so volatile. You know, it was whatever, 10,000, then 20,000, then 60,000. Now it's only 25 and so on. Um, and my question is, uh, okay, if it was uh, a fixed amount of dollars, uh, would it provide protection against inflation? Would it be actually fun? Would you like, do you want uh, another dollar somewhere in your computer? You know, uh, why? What is it? Uh, as you hopefully know, <laughs> I believe you do, uh, prices are an information system. So prices are supposed to cha change and, uh, you know, uh, a vacation in summer and vacation uh, in uh, October shouldn't have the same price because there's not the same uh, demand and uh, supply also changes. Um, so, uh, so the pr prices are telling us very important information. Uh, but on the other hand, this is, we, we've been so used to this stability, uh, of, uh, employment, of prices, of, you know, things, of inertia, basically, of things, uh, going the same way, uh, all the time, uh, that, uh, that we are super stressed if, uh, if the prices, uh, change and if things around us change. Um, I believe uh, it is better to embrace it. Uh, it will remove a lot of stress from your life because if you expect the world to be volatile and the world in fact is volatile, then your expectation and reality match and there's no stress. Of course, you need to prepare for that, but, uh, but there are ways to do it. Uh, so um, there are, of course, many ways how to handle this uh, volatile nature of the world. So basically, uh, you can, uh, you can be dynamic, uh, you can hedge the risk, which you can do on financial markets with many things. If you know you are going, uh, to buy something uh, next year, you can, you can hedge the price, but you can also embrace the volatility. You can say, Oh, okay. So, uh, this uh, went up and this went down, uh, means I can now change my, uh, my behavior and I can buy what is cheap and not buy what is expensive. Um, if you're an entrepreneur, you can, uh, go and produce what is expensive. Uh, and by doing this, you are making, um, use of the, of the economy the way it's supposed to do. So, uh, the way it's supposed to work. So the way it's supposed to work, we have a lot of scarce resources and we have these, uh, these, uh, um, markings, these, uh, these notes and, uh, electronic money, um, that we use, uh, to decide who gets to use what based on what they desire, what they prefer and what they need in life. Uh, so not buying something expensive means saying, oh, it's not so important for me. So I'll let someone else use it and someone else uh, can use it. Uh, they're willing to pay a little bit more for it. Uh, but it makes, um, uh, it makes uh, things work uh, in the, in the presence of, uh, of uh, uh, scarce resources. So if your philosophy, uh, in life and your life and your business depends on stability. Uh, my contrarian thought would be uh, to 
very carefully rethink this and uh, and um, uh, don't get disappointed. Uh, um, so, uh, okay, I think uh, that's it for now. Uh, and uh, I think we have time for questions. Thank you very much. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, or if you found a value in this podcast, there is a really easy way to show your support and help us grow. Download any podcasting 2.0 app such as Fountain or Breeze. They work both on iOS and Android. And then follow the Option Plus podcast and start listening. You can share your thoughts on this episode by sending a boost. That's like a payment with a message. And see what other listeners have to say or create clips of the best moments. Getting started is easy. You can top up your fountain or breeze wallet with a Bitcoin Lightning transaction or even a bank card. I hope this podcast brings value to you and it would be great if you can support this podcast by paying us this value. You probably spent some time listening to it, so you already demonstrated it is not worthless. So it would be nice to reward the podcaster, in this case me, with what this podcast is worth to you. The alternative for podcasters such as me is advertising and with podcasts that are created for the sake of advertising, you become the product and not the customer. I would personally like you to remain a customer, not a product, and I would like your support in allowing this podcast to continue in a sustainable way. Try it out. Thank you for listening.